Welcome back to Life and Art with Nicole, and I'm your host, Nicole. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss different lifestyle topics such as books, acting, music, art, health, wellness, spirituality, and a variety of other topics. And I'm so excited because I'm here today with Clark. Clark is an actor, writer, and third grade spelling bee champion. Shh, you weren't supposed to tell everyone oh, that. Sorry. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. The cat's out of the bag. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk about everything that has to do with acting and writing and all those artistic fields. So make sure to stay tuned and we'll be right back. So yeah, Clark. Hey. What's up? Long time no see. <laughs> it has been a long time. It's I been think two years now. Yeah, a couple of years. What was that project that we even worked on? It Do was you a remember? technology commercial. Okay. Avaya, I believe. Was that correct? Mm, of, okay, it yeah. It was in Durham, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's it's so hard now with the pandemic and everything, keeping right. track of time. So yeah. two or three years, but it's been a while. Right. Because I, I was thinking about that on the drive up. I was like, I wonder, I can't remember like that, <laughs> that episode or that whatever we were doing. Right. It was a commercial for something. And um but yeah, so I mean, how's it been, especially like with the pandemic and the strike and all of that, like as far yeah. as work is concerned? Kind of crazy. Uh, I'm sure that, that you've dealt with this as we all have. Just the moving into the self-tape world has been a, a huge adjustment for me. Um, <laughs> I've got friends that joke about the technology I've had to learn in the last few years because <laughs> you know, I was used to showing up at the casting office. You talk to the casting director, maybe four or five people in the room. You do your thing and, and then you, you know, thank you very much. and. Hopefully you hear something. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But having to learn now, we have to be our own editors, our own DPs, our own videographers, the whole nine. And that's yeah. I'm, I'm very thankful to have that skill. But at the same time, I, I, I miss the in-person because you kind of miss that. I don't know. Getting to look someone in the eyes is uh, something I kind of miss. I don't know about you. But. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like what you just said, having to learn all the different technology. I mean, even just like setting up for this, right. um, you know, trying to figure out like the audio and, fig- you know, figure out the sound and the and the, um, the visuals and the lighting. And it's like we have to be filmmakers. Right. Absolutely. To, to, to be actors. Yeah. It's top like to so, bottom. Yeah. It's so interesting how everything has become so digitized and we have to know how to do these things. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, have you, have you done anything on your own, like outside of auditioning and stuff like that? Like, have you, you know, done any other yeah. small projects or anything? I do. So I lived in Wilmington for quite a while and uh, we do, it's a great film community. So I've done a lot of independent work. Um, and I really, I really enjoy that. Just the collaboration of, uh, it's just about being creative. You're not worried about a huge paycheck. You're not worried about, it's just being able to be collaborative and be and create these characters with with your friends with people in your community and i really love that like that's to me that's the the basis of what i really love about acting is getting to create those characters as opposed to you know there's different parts of the business but that's something i really love and so that's what i've focused on and and just writing for myself i've got notebooks full that no one will ever see but it's it's cathartic for me, and that's always oh. been cathartic for me since I was young. So mm-hmm. I blame my literature teacher mother for, for that. Oh, your mom was a literature she teacher? She was, yeah. Oh, that's wow. where it all started, for sure. And that's cool. So you did like a lot of creative writing when you were young? I did, yeah. I wrote for a couple of newspapers as well. Um, but yeah, just for a lot of it was for myself. I remember in college, I would I'd just go for a hike or go out on a canoe or just and just get by myself and when I'm bogged down with schoolwork or whatever else and just have a notebook and just... 
I'm not sure where those notebooks are now, but I remember them fondly. And it was just such a catharsis to be able to just pen to paper, lips to fingertips. Is, it's just what I still do with auditions. I don't know about you, but I'll get a script and I still have to write it out by hand. And oh, that, that wow. helps me memorize and just being able to write that and see it in my own handwriting physically. And I don't know, it just uh, it attaches. It's easier for me to build a character that way. To, huh. So you take the script, you dissect it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I always write my own stuff down. And I make notes on the on the script itself, but I also have my own notebook where I'm you know, writing my backstory, but also writing the actual dialogue you know, in my own handwriting. And just something about that process makes it, it sticks more for me. I don't know. Do you think that connects you more to the character? or? I think so. I think so. And like I said, the, the lips to fingertips thing, it, it's, you know, as you know, it's so much more than memorization. It's mm-hmm. the creation of the character, the backstory, and living in that world. Um, but something about that extra step for me uh, really helps it be more grounded uh, for myself. I don't know if anyone else does it that way, but yeah, that's something I started early on and as a memorization technique and it just developed more into a, this just feels more comfortable to me mm-hmm. to, to write it out. And it can be, you know, it's time consuming, but yeah. for me, it's worth it. For me, it's I, worth I it. um, when I was in, you know, several different acting uh, classes, one of the one of my teachers, actually, in my more recent acting class, had suggested that, and I'm sure, like a lot of acting teachers, um, will do this in their classes. But they have us, you know, take the script, and then we write the backstory for the character. Mm-hmm. We write, um, we journal as the character. Oh, yeah. So it's not necessarily like rewriting the script. It's more like we we write in first person uh-huh. and we write as the character, and you know, we tell the stories of you know what happened to us in a particular situation as that character so um yeah so that's interesting so as far as journaling you know to connect to a character i I get that from that perspective um but i bet yeah i bet like maybe writing the script out again or at least your dialogue really helps you to you know be getting first person right on my better days of writing because sometimes i'll i'll write it down so quickly that i look back and i'm like what did i hold on a minute let me get because my handwriting can leave something to be desired from time to time if I get a little too. Oh, so I've got to <laughs> go back and like, wait, wait a minute, what was, what was that? But <laughs> yeah, it's been very helpful to me. And uh, I had an acting teacher not that long ago who I just have stayed in contact with. And I had multiple auditions in one day. I think I had four in one day. And I'm sure, you know, the feast and famine of this business of I haven't heard anything for two weeks and now you have five due tomorrow. Right. And, and I, I called him. I said, man, I'm really struggling because these characters are so fundamentally different. What is something I can do to, to differentiate just from my own mind? Because I'm memorizing all this. I'm trying, I'm living in this guy. He said, man, sometimes just put on the shoes, put on the shoes for that character. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me. And so I'm sure my community thinks I'm crazy because I'll be out in a three-piece suit on, on, at noon on a Tuesday. But that's the character. And I'll go to the grocery store in that or go, you know, whatever. Go fill up my gas tank with, with that. And just having those shoes on, having the what this guy would wear. Mm-hmm. makes it can make it more real for me and that was such a a small thing he taught me but i was like man that really thank you that really helped and i, I even you know, I called him back and thanked him for that and i was like that really just something so simple that can ground you into that thing was such a cool concept to me i love hearing how different actors like get into their characters yeah. and get into um the sort of mindset and the mode of um their yeah their character the person that they are filling the shoes of um i mean how did you get into acting and like um how do you how does it feel to you to be an actor you know that's such a great question because i for a long time um i mean i 
skip ahead. But for a long time, I had a really tough time saying I'm an actor. I would almost apologize, like I'm trying to be an actor or I want to be an actor or I'm working toward being an actor. And the term artist and actor, I really struggled with saying that. And I finally got to a point, even just a few years ago, and I've been at this for almost 20 years now. I was like, no, man, you've, you've paid your dues. You can, you're an actor. Like you're doing the business of acting, whether you book that role or not, you're doing all the work. And, and that comes into the, the process as opposed to the end result. But to answer your original question, I, my mother was a literature teacher. My father is a voracious reader. I'm an only child and I grew up on a horse farm. And so that was, I mean, what a place to write your own story and create your, and of course I was the hero in all of these. And, <laughs> Yeah, and there's and the horses are my knights or my you know my other characters and whatever dogs we had at the time and you know, the the woods are full of sticks and things can be made of swords and bow and arrows and so I was very imaginative as a kid and kind of created my own world and and you know part of that's just having so much time alone and and my mom would put a book in my hand and I got obsessed with uh, Greek mythology and you know, Mark Twain and the Huck Finn and and so I, I've always had a penchant for storytelling. And so I think that's where it really began was just the love of story, the love of literature, the love of the written word. And then to me, I've always been fascinated with taking a two dimensional piece of paper and making it three dimensional, which yeah. is really what you know, the base, I think, what we do. And you know, we're trying to tell a story and hopefully it resonates with someone, hopefully myself, when I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely where it started. Um, but growing up in a really small town, I grew up in a town called Minneapolis, North Carolina. It's about 35 miles north of Boone. I'm sure you've never heard of it. No, I always thought Minneapolis was in Minnesota, <laughs> right? right? Mo most people do, right? Wow. Um, it means many waters. There are two uh, rivers that converge in the middle of the town. So Minneapolis is Native American for many waters. Yeah. Um, oh. And I remember reading on a census in college, um, the population of Minneapolis, North Carolina is 78. So I used to joke, well, population 78, but 77 now that I've moved. <laughs> and that was like a little joke I had. But yeah, super small, about 100 people. Um, wow. And so, as you can imagine, not a lot of opportunity for an aspiring actor. Sure. There's, you know, church plays, and which is kind of where I started as far as that portion of it. My mom was the music minister. I was always involved in every Christmas play, Easter play, you know, anything like that. Kind of pushed into it, but I loved it. <laughs> so, you know, so it was, that was the initial spark, I think. But no one around me understood what it meant to, to try to be an actual actor. You know, it's for that to be a business or, or a life goal. It was not like, what do you mean? You want to, what do you mean you want to be an actor? Like, like where, like, what are you talking about? And so that was an interesting beginning to, mm -hmm. to say the least, you know, not, not a conventional <laughs> route. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to go back to what you had just said about, you know, having this, um, almost hesitation of telling people that you're an actor because I literally have the same thing. No. It's for the longest time. This is, you know, I've been in this business for over a decade at this point, yeah. And I still get to the point where if someone's like, so what do you do? Or, um, which, you know, in, in itself is like, why do people ask that question? But when people ask that question, I'm like, Oh, I'm an actor. And I get really shy about right. it almost like, like it's something to be ashamed of by pursuing this mm -hmm. thing that I'm doing. And how dare I like, you know, try to be an artist, you know, and while everyone else is, you know, doing their regular nine to five job. And, and so I have this sense of, um, there is a odd sense of shame mm -hmm. around, at least for me about, um, being an actor. Cause I guess most people think it's a bunch of people in costumes, dancing around on a stage, acting right. silly, you pretending, you know, to live in some fantasy world. And 
And that's why for me, at least when I was young, I didn't think about the fact, I never thought about the fact that I could pursue this as Mm -hmm. an actual career. It was just like, you see people on TV, but you don't think that that's actually their work. That's actually their job. And so now that it's like, I'm pursuing it, I feel like I'm, yeah, it is like this weird apologetic, like, uh, I'm doing this as work, you know, like, yeah. Why do we do that? I don't know. I'm so guilty of it as well. And, and even today, you know, I can, I'm more confident in saying it, but still it's like, um, an actor and you kind of almost brace for the impact of what the reaction is going to be. Yeah. And it's cause so many people don't understand. And I think it's so many people think it's such a glamorous thing and it's, I mean, I'm sure you can attest. It's not a glamorous not business. At all. It's, it's not glamorous hard. at all. If you get to that top echelon, the Denzels, the Brads, then that of course that would afford you some glamor. But what, of actors, it's a slog, it's a grind, it's a lot of work, it's long days. And something that always has bothered me is uh, it's a business of no. You hear it's a business of no, but it's not. It's a business of you hear nothing. It's not even no, it's, you know, you put your, you know, you get your script, you put your time, you put your work, you build your character. And now we have to, like we said, be our own DPs, film it, edit it, get it sent. And it's out into the other. You know, maybe you hear something back, maybe you don't. Nine times out of ten, you don't. And so it's not like, no, you did this wrong. You did this. It's just, I don't know. Where, yeah. You know, but. That is a really difficult part of, of this business. You know, most people, when they go to their regular nine to five jobs, they, they know what it is that they're doing. They get their report. They know, you know, the progress they need to make. They get feedback, mm-hmm. but we go into an audition, we prepare. Mm-hmm. So we take the time that we need to prepare our character. You know, you write the whole script out again. Right. Um, we go in, we do the audition and then, you know, they don't even really give us visual feedback. So we're just like there and they, you know, a lot of times they, they purposely don't do that cause they don't want to like get us right. our hopes get up. Our hopes up right? And so we, go in, we do the audition and then we leave and we're like, okay, I I think I did a good job. (laughs) And then most people think that we would get feedback, but we never get, well, I mean, maybe there are some cases where you do, but yeah, nine times out of 10, actually nine and a half, nine, 99.9% of the time, you will never get feedback from the people that you audition for. So you have no idea what you need to adjust. You have no idea if you did what they, what they were looking for, for the character. You just don't know. Right. And that's what makes this business so difficult. And I think someone's not in this business, just they don't understand it. Like I've tried to make an analogy of, okay, say you're talking to someone in a romantic setting for a few days, you've gone on a couple of dates, you put in time, you've gotten to know the person a little bit, and then they just, you never hear from them again. That's kind of how it feels to me because you're, you know, you're putting everything you have into this character for the, what, two, three days. Sometimes we get less than that um, if it's a truncated thing. But And then it's just – and for me, I've had to learn to – after I finish the audition, I actually crumble up the script like ceremoniously and throw it away. I don't know if you save your scripts, but for me, I have to, okay, I did everything I could for that. If they call me back, I'll print it again. Mm-hmm. And I just toss it in the trash. Like release it. Yeah, it's almost like a, you know I did everything I could do with that. And I had to, to kind of shift my perspective of it. And I've heard a few acting teachers say this, but it, it really hit home for me in the last, I don't know, maybe year or two years of whether you get the role or not, I get to act today. You know, I get to create this character. I get to, And that's what makes you an actor, not being at the top of the heap. It's doing the work and, and putting your heart into it and, and actually trying to create this character, make it real for yourself. 
and learning to love that character, even if they're unlovable. Uh, I've got to like something about him. You know, I've got to find something I like about the guy I'm playing. And then realizing that regardless of what happens, it's out of my hands now. I've done everything I can do. And I got to act today. I got to be an actor today. Maybe it was for 30 minutes. Maybe it was for an hour. But I got to do it today and, and to be thankful for that. And that's, that's hard. And that's on my better days. You know, there's some days where I'm just like, <sighs> but on my better days, I can have that perspective. And that's when I feel that way, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it's not always. Mm-hmm. It's not always. So what are your thoughts on, like, the strike? And, I mean, obviously, this is we're at a great time right now because this, they just came to a mm-hmm. decision um, to really benefit the actors. Um, but, like, what was your what was your take on that whole, like, strike thing? Because there have been strikes before, of but course. this was, like, kind of our, I mean, at least for yeah. me, my first run of experiencing, like, workers and actors fighting for compensation mm-hmm. for at least the way I see it, like we're entertaining everybody. We're like, you know, we're, yeah. we're bringing something. We're bringing joy to people's lives. Like right. how do we need, why do we need to like tell people that we need to like get compensated <laughs> for it? It should be you know, like a no brainer, you know? Absolutely. I think it's been a long time coming and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not at that top echelon. And so I really appreciate the, the, the top of the heap of the actors that are standing, that we're standing up. And I hear a lot of comments of, you know, why is this $20 million actor, the spoiled brat? Asking that. No, they're not for themselves. They're trying to help me, mm-hmm. you know, on my level. And, and I, but I think it's such a valuable thing. I think that the entertainment, the film, the storytelling is such a valuable thing. I've been rereading. Have you read Will Smith's book Mm-mm. by any chance? So I've been rereading it. And, and there's a, when he was playing Ali in Africa, he, uh, he spent some time with Nelson Mandela. Mm. And, and he, he called him Madiba. That was what his friends called him. Madiba was like a term of endearment. And he said when he was locked up for what, 27 years, halfway through, they would allow him to watch a film um, once a week. And he loved this film called In the Heat of the Night. Um, but he could, and it's Sidney Poitier. And he could tell there was a scene that had been cut out. And, and he, he was obsessed with why was the scene cut out. And, and so he actually used all his connections to find out. And the scene that was cut out was um, Sidney Poitier actually slapped a white cop. And he said, that gave me hope. And so he said to Will, never underestimate what you do. And to me, that was such a profound thing. Like, that you, I don't think about it having that kind of an impact, but clearly, clearly it does. Mm-hmm. And for someone like that to say it, I was like, man, it's just, there is. There's so much value in art and expression and storytelling. And, you know, it's not this frivolous thing. Like, it's it's been incredibly important to me throughout my life, I'm sure to you as well. Yeah. And both behind the camera and in front of the camera. And then just what I watch and what I consume. It's been, and it takes a lot of forms. You know, music's a huge thing for me as well, but I, I, it bothers me to hear it undervalued. I think because yes. it is so valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same, same. Like I, I grew up like there are movies that I still continuously watch, you know, oh, yeah. like I've seen same. them like 30 times right. and I still watch them because there's something magical about it, whether it makes me emotional, whether it, you know, drives me, it gives me, you know, courage or whatever it is. It's what I'm watching visually and hearing, you know, and, you know, observing art, to, at least for acting, acting in particular, it's like, it's, it's our way as actors to portray experiences that other people have either had, um, whether they're fictional, non-fictional, but we're, we're able to portray that for people mm-hmm. and give people a sense of 
whatever it is that they're looking for. And so, yeah, in that sense, it is, we're working. We are, it is work and we should be compensated for the work that we do because it does take days sometimes for us to get into character. And yeah. So for me, when, you know, to hear that these studios, at least, at least in the middle of everything, when this, there was back and forth between the studios and then um, the, the guild, I'm like, how, how is it, possible that these studios don't even understand right like they're making billion hundreds how of could millions. be this far apart on it yeah how can be this far apart and um i mean and, and you know obviously strikes are across the board in all types of industries you know we've seen writer i mean i'm sorry not writers but we've seen teacher strikes we've seen right. auto um, workers auto yeah. strikes yeah we've seen tons of strikes and you would think that at this point in our society the society would value the workers and there shouldn't be even a question of whether we pay someone for the work that they do without question i mean (laughs) how many times have you heard like we'll pay you an exposure and i'm like what other industry does that happen in right it it doesn't and it's it's long people don't understand it's long day how many 15 16 17 hour days have you had on a film set i've had hundreds of them Mm -hmm. and you know that's that's still whether you're you know digging a trench or building a wall you're still it's time served and you're still working on this, you know, this ultimate goal to create this, this story, hopefully collaboratively is what we're trying to do. Um, but it's, yeah. it's not just, that's something I didn't understand as a kid. I remember watching home alone and thinking, Oh, I, I could, I could do that. <laughs> It'd be really hard to memorize two hours of dialogue. I had no idea that, at, you know, at eight, nine years old, that it was broken up and this took nine months to film. I had no idea, <laughs> Yeah. but you know, now just, you know, getting to see kind of how the sausage is made, we understand more of, and how many people are involved in a production. Yeah. You watch a 30 minute, 22 minute sitcom, there are 350 people involved in that and that have families and are supporting their communities and themselves. And yeah, yeah, it just seems so absurd to not even, (laughs) and and yeah, you hear a lot of the negativity and I'm like, well, what do you watch? Do you not watch entertainment? Do you not watch television? Do you not watch movies? Like, what do you mean? What do you, (laughs) what do you think happens when you pull that plug? I heard uh, some people, and they were like, oh, um, these actors are, are, you know, asking for too much money and, and they don't need to do that. And I'm thinking, do you have kids? Do your kids watch cartoons? Right. Because those cartoons don't just magically have voices. Mm-hmm. Those are actors right. that are doing those voices right. for these cartoons. Absolutely. Yeah. That your kids are watching yeah. commercials. Every commercial that you watch, those are actors, you know, Absolutely. it's like every corporate, you know, mm-hmm. video right. is done by actors even the commercials you hear on the radio when you're driving to work like that's an actor that's a physical person that created that character to sell you whatever they're selling at that time so yeah it's just i think a fundamental misunderstanding i i think i kind of maybe got off track i think to answer your original question i think the strike's a long time coming um because you know it's just equity it's just valuing what people do and it's such a it can be a very heart-wrenching thing. Yeah, we all know the dangers of getting too deep into a character or, yeah. you know, affecting our personal life. And I've certainly been there because um, it is you have to give a piece of yourself or I believe you have to give a piece of yourself in everything you do in this business. And that that has a toll. There's a toll involved in that and yeah, in any creative expression, yeah. in any creative expression. So what project have you done that was like really kind of pivotal in your career or that you feel like maybe you've reached a point where you're like, wow, like this is amazing. I can't believe I got this or, you know, for me, it's, it's not always about whether it was like a career changer. 
what I've tried to focus on, kind of touching on what we talked about earlier, is the process of because at the end of the day, it's it's what you did on the day. It's the it's the hang. It's the people you get to surround yourself with, what you created together. Because we all know I've been victim of the cutting room floor. I don't know if you have many times where, you know, you, you thought you did a great job and, and not to take that personally because it could be just it didn't fit. Maybe the words didn't fit and just focusing on the day or the, the time you spent on that project and the people you got to interact with. One of the coolest things for me, and this was you'd never know it was me in the film. But I worked on a film for Nickelodeon, I think, two years ago. And, but we filmed at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and I got to throw football with professional football players. What? And so it wasn't even about, like, you know, the character was a lot of fun. I played an offensive line coach, which was, you know, not a lot to it. But I got to actually, like, hey, man, you want to throw the football? And I was like, the little kid in me was like, are you kidding me? I get paid to be at this football stadium. I'll throw my arm out. to, th- to Absolutely, I'm going to throw this with you. And just, you know, 30 minutes between takes, getting to just hurl the pigskin and, and just tell tales. And, and I've kept up with a lot of these guys. And. To me, that's a, a beautiful thing because if you get caught up on the end product, because at some point it's out of our hands. At some point, you know, it's I've told my story or I've told this character story to the best of my ability. And then you know, maybe it doesn't fit in the end product, but not getting discouraged by that and remembering, you know, like even something simple as this. We worked together one time and now we've been able to reconnect and, and talk about this. And that's I think it's a beautiful thing about this business. You know, mm-hmm. you share that time together and just trying to create something. Mm-hmm. And, so for me, those benchmarks have been more about just the times I remember on set. You know, I've, I've been in some projects I'm very proud of, um, but those are the things that really stand out to me is the the hang. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Tom Hanks that called it that. It's, at the end of the day, it's about the hang, and it's that resonates to me so truly. Because, you know, you can work on the best project ever and not get along with the people you work with, and that's I fortunately haven't, haven't had that issue, thankfully. And mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, do you want to talk about your first experiences, like on yeah. set? Yeah, what were your first experiences as an actor, like on okay. set or on, like, on, on start... an actual set? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did, I like I talked earlier, I did a lot of church plays and things like growing up, but that was you know just local stuff. And and for whatever reason, I didn't get into community theater or, or even theater in high school. And I don't. And looking back, I don't. A wealth of insecurity, I would imagine, is is the real reason, <laughs> but. I just never did. Um, and I actually, I planned on going to UNC Wilmington because uh, I knew at that time Wilmington was a huge hub. It's, it's came back again now after the you know, losing the incentives. But at that time, um, Wilmington was a big hub. Screen Gems was larger than life to me. And coming from the small town I came from, like that was kind of the goal. Like I'm going to go to school there. I'm going to plug into that program. And I came down to, to UNCW, I toured the campus, I saw the beach, and I was like, "There's, I will never graduate. There's no possible, <laughs> there's no possible way, which was a good decision. I went to, to App State, and I was an ad major uh, with, um, an ad, ad and PR major. And so all of my, my junior and senior year, all of my classes were projects where you had to stand up and talk. And I, where most people shied away from that, I loved it. I just felt a real rush from it so I would have like a basic outline of what I needed to say and I'd just stand up and, and just wing it and I was like I've got a captive audience like in this class that I can and that's when I was like really like okay no you this is something you have to do you have because for me I was like I don't want to be 50 years old and say I wish I would have tried this I wish I would have given it a shot um, so fast forward early 20s after college I moved to, to Wrightsville Beach um, One Tree Hill was the big thing oh, yeah. at that point I'm sure that <laughs> I think they just had a reunion last week, actually. I saw photos. 
But my first ever professional gig was playing a basketball coach, Coach Ryan, on One Tree Hill. And if you blink, you'd miss me. It's like <laughs> at a basketball camp at Laney High School where, where Jordan went to school. Um, but I just remember I took it as such a, a learning lesson of how these actors hit their marks because I'd never seen anything like that. All my experience had been, like I said, you know, local stuff, church stuff, and getting to see just those technical aspects that I had no clue about. Like, where's the camera? Find the camera. How is this actor hitting his mark? Where is he doing this? And I found it all fascinating. You know, some, there's, you know, there's a lot of different things about extra work. But for me, that was a huge lesson, a valuable lesson. I've certainly done my share of extra work and sometimes passed when I probably should have just to get to be around actors and see how they – I always ask for the for the sides. I don't know if you do that on set, but regardless of what role yeah. I'm in, I want to mm-hmm. see, and I'll kind of you know read this guy's lines and say, I wonder how here's how I would play this, and then you get to watch that professional actor how they would play, and I'm like, oh, interesting. I don't know if I would have made that choice, but that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like if you pay attention, that can be the greatest acting lesson of all. Just watching people that are good at what they do do what they do. Yeah. And so I really, but that was my first. I was early twenties and played a basketball coach. I was on the sidelines with the, you know, doing the clapping, having a little clipboard. And, That's awesome. You know, I was like, king of the world. You know? Oh, here's yeah. my check for $88. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> the $88. Right, right. So, yeah, so you said you have not um, done stage work. So have you done any stage work? I have um, since, yeah. I've, I've done quite a bit since. Um, it's I prefer film and television for myself, but I've got a great, great respect for, for stage acting. It's such um, you have to act to the back of the room, as yes. you know. And I like the the nuance of film and television that it picks up every little the camera knows all, you know. And and adjusting to between those worlds can be very difficult if you're used to being big and boisterous, and which is kind of my my default setting anyway. Um, so bringing that down for film television. So yes, to answer your question, I have. Um, what ro- like what um, roles or like what projects have you done? So in college, I did, um, I did say I didn't do a lot in college, but I did a couple of like small stage projects where I played, um, I played Rooster from Little Orphan Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious, right? And uh, I did quite a bit in Wilmington, just uh, local productions that were written uh, by um, screenwriters in Wilmington or, or um, playwrights in Wilmington, I should say. Mm-hmm. And so I did quite a few of those and I really enjoyed them. And, I, it, was, uh, and it was actually people that I ended up working on other film projects with. So it's kind of cool to get to see the same people in different roles, different aspects and different, you know, different, um, settings. Um, but at the end of the day, film television is more my speed, but I, I do, I love going to, and I worked at a performing arts center for a couple of years. So I was able to see a lot of professional work, which I really loved and, and probably took for granted at the, at the time, but looking back, I'm very mm-hmm. thankful for it and um, see that. So you said you lived in L.A. for a little while. Like, what was that experience like? Hilariously enough. So, um, well, backstory, um, I was living in the Wilmington area and this was during the pandemic. I'd always uh, my wife and I are a bit of vagabonds and we ended up selling everything, buying an RV and hitting the road. And, and so we're uh, we traveled through 22 different states and stayed in Cali for a while. I actually stayed in, I was in Palm Springs. So um, I had a few gigs in L.A., a little small stuff and. I actually turned down a gig to come home for Christmas. And that was, I don't know, a, str- a strange win. It, yeah, that was, I'm very thankful I made that decision. It, it was the right decision. Uh, but what's hilarious is I was living in Palm Springs about two hours out of LA um, where I could easily, the majority of my auditions were coming from Atlanta and from Wilmington. <laughs> and, and so I was like, I'm, at, I'm here in La La Land. Like I'm here like in the hub, right? And yeah. 
And like George and Tammy was out. So I was getting all these auditions for George and Tammy. And I was getting a lot of stuff in Atlanta. And, and that kind of became, we ended up moving to Georgia shortly thereafter. Um, so I was there for several months. And then I loved it. I loved Palm Springs. The weather's incredible. Um, there's a lot of creativity. I'm a, I'm a huge kind of an old soul. I'm a huge Sinatra, Dean Martin fan. So we could see um, Bob Hope's house above us in the canyon, drive around the corner. There's Dean Martin's house. Here's the purple room where Sammy Davis Jr. performed. And so That's that awesome. creative energy was fantastic mm-hmm. for me. And and having to really make it work in this RV, like I was setting up all my lights and my camera and like a backdrop in this 105 feet. And so that's the time I felt the maybe that's when I became able to say I'm an actor because I'm like, it was not easy, you know, to to set up. But I loved it because that really felt real and to be that close to L.A. But then for all of it to be back in the southeast was such an interesting dichotomy. Mm -hmm. But it was 90 percent of my auditions were coming back from southeast. And I was like, huh. That's, I mean, there's something there. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Well, so when did when were you in LA? Because there was there was a lot um, mm-hmm. a lot started happening like in the South. Right, right. Uh, it would have been a uh, little less than two years ago. So right around two oh, years okay. ago. So like kind of after the South boom. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I mean, um, like for me, that similar kind of thing happened. I was in North Carolina, then I moved to Georgia, and then I was starting started getting all these North Carolina auditions, right. and I was like, I just left. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> it's like, like, grass is greener thing, right? Yeah. Did you leave after the tax incentives? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, was the yeah. main reason why I left because, yeah, like there was just more work going to Georgia, and less work was here, and it just it made sense career wise to right. make that jump because. I was like, okay, I'm going to pursue this, like, you know, because I was doing, you know, a lot of local commercials, industrials, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, Same. And, yeah, yeah. And, those are the um, bread and butters, right? Yeah, those, those pay the exactly. Bills. Those do pay the bills. <laughs> and uh, no shame that. So actually, no, no, no. it's really funny. Um, people have have said to me or like, you know, I'll run into like random people and they'll be like, you look so familiar. And then um, I remember one time someone was like, I saw you in the Cisco, you know, for um, the in-house like video yeah. for our company. And I was, I don't, I don't know if it was Cisco or not. I think it was, but I was like, yep, that was me. <laughs> so, sure was. So whenever people like, <laughs> they come up to me and they're like, you look so familiar. I'm like, nope, I don't know nope, you. Nope, like, never you seen don't know before me. in my life. Never never seen, you know, and me being 6'5", it's kind of hard to hide, you know, like, no, it was you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a guy call me not that long ago. He's like, I saw you, man. I was at this convention and you were in this, it was an industrial same thing. And it was like, just, you know, I'm like working on an assembly line or something. And he's, I was like, how was it? He goes, well, I'll be honest. It was really long and it was pretty bad. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good to talk to you. Thanks for calling. Yeah. But, yeah. I've, that, I've done plenty of those. For, mm, we don't name uh, any companies, but yeah. That's fine. They're, they're fun. I mean, they are. Like, they are. I mean, whatever. Every actor, every professional actor, no matter how high level they've got, you know, they get, I'm sure they've done. Oh, no question. It's like no the, question. it's almost like the, um, what, what do you, what is that phrase? Um, like the the thing you have to do in order to get where you're all oh, right paying your dues yeah or, paying your yeah dues. absolutely yeah <laughs> industrials absolutely. are paying your dues. no question no question um well yeah so um i guess like the last like the last kind of thing i wanted to really kind of ask you and talk about was like your perspective on art and like what does art mean to you how does it fit into your worldview and yeah anything else you want to kind of say on that I mean, it's such a huge part of my life and I don't want to make it just about acting because that's a huge part of my life, but I'm a huge music fan. And, and we're talking earlier about when you resonate with something, 
I think it's we're all just trying not to feel alone, right? Like someone else understands. Someone else gets what I'm going through. Someone else sees this worldview or this world perspective. And I think that's, you know, the movies you say you watch over and over again, something about it spoke to you, right, and continues to speak to you. And and sometimes it's just about the familiarity of that. Sometimes it's about picking out more nuance in a different time you watch it or a different stage in your life. Um, but, I mean, Friedrich Nietzsche said, you know, life without music would be a mistake. I would replace that with life without art would be a mistake because I can't imagine like a day without music or, you know, some form of expression. And it's all around us. I mean, you know, as simple as, as what you put on your body and how you express yourself to the world. But it's such a huge thing for me. And, and the written word is where it starts. So that, I think that encompasses movies, film, television, music, poetry, literature, um, you know, storytelling, it's all storytelling. And that's what fascinates me about it. Thank you, mom, for, you know, for putting these books in my hand. Thank you, dad, for teaching me to read, you know, for both of them teaching me to read. It's, you know, as an only child on a horse farm, getting lost in a book is, you know, you could be anywhere and be anyone at any time you want to be. And so I think it's such a, a beautiful and powerful thing. And I, I don't understand when someone says, I don't really care for, I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? How do you, how do you function in the morning? <laughs> how yeah. do you get, you know, how do you, so to me, it's such a huge thing. And it's, I mean, like Nietzsche, I can't imagine life without it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't want to. And there's so many, you know, films I can point to and quotes and lines and, and music I can point to and that have shaped. And, and when you're in your darkest times that you can, you can go back to. And when you're in your most joyous times, you go to, you know, and just, I don't know. It's the beauty of art to me is it's, it can be exactly what you need when you need it. And yeah, I think that's the simplest way to put it for me. It can be exactly what I need when I need it. And I don't want to, I don't want to live without it. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's great because, um, and I like what you had said about, yeah, I mean, how, yeah, how can we live without it? Like art is all encompassing. It's part of everything that, we have in the world, you know, art makes buildings, art, you know, designs roads and rivers and, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, yeah, I mean, just all facets of art is life, you know, and that's exactly why I titled this podcast life and art, because it's like, you can't go anywhere in life. You can't, you know, no no matter what stage you are in life, you're going to encounter art on whatever degree or whatever level it is. So, I definitely think art is extremely powerful and, you know, I love that we get to be like physical expressions of it, you know, like it's like, it's not just a painting on the wall. We get to be walking, talking, moving. Right. That three dimensional. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Three dimensional art in a sense. So that's really fun. And yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, that's great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I, yeah, definitely appreciate you coming and I definitely look forward to seeing your projects, any new projects that you have coming up. And do you want to tell our listeners and our viewers, um, where they can find you like website, you know, socials? Yeah, sure. So, um, so my acting website is Clark C Tatum. It's on Instagram. I also have a Facebook, uh, Clark Tatum. I'm currently working on a website, so that's not, that'll be coming soon. Um, been a little slow with the strike. I've got a few things coming. I'll have some more independent work coming later this year. Um, I worked on a commercial last week. Can't talk about it yet, but stay tuned for that. Pretty excited. And I just, a uh, Puma commercial just aired where I played a basketball player. Hey. 
shockingly. Awesome. Um, LaMelo Ball, the point guard for the Charlotte Hornets, had a new shoe from Puma drop, and I got to be one of the guys in the commercial, so that was a lot of fun. But uh, as we talked about, commercials and uh, yeah. <laughs> and the industrials are the bread and butter, but yeah. I'll have some more character-driven pieces coming uh, later in the year. So Very cool. Looking awesome. forward to that. But. Well, great. Well, yeah, definitely check uh, check him out and uh, follow him on social media. And as well, while you're there, follow me. Um, and you can fo- find all my socials, all of my links to everything on my website. It's NicoleBurgessMarsh.com. And once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for listening. Clark, thank you again. Thank you. And I will see you in the next episode. Cheers.